0: Uh, good to see you all. Hi everyone. It's fun. I, I actually forgotten it was Father's Day today. Not that I'd forgotten before, but I forgot when I came. And then Chris said about it and I was like, oh yeah, it's Father's Day. Cause he said, what day is it? And I thought Sunday. <laughs> it's like, is it, is it, is it Sunday? You know, when does that happen? You know, we had Pentecost last week. Um, so I was, uh, I wasn't sure. But anyway, Father's Day. Um, oh, there we go. We're up on the PowerPoint already. Um, I'm a little bit tired. We just had a conference, a healing conference yesterday. Who was here with us yesterday up at uh, Trinity? A couple of guys were. Here. Yeah, we had a, we had a good time. Did you have a good time? Yeah, a few nods. Well, we had a good time anyway. Um, lots of people, lots of people healed. Uh, lots of people just meeting with Holy Spirit. It was a, it was a good day. So. Bless you guys. And we just pray for the, the spillover and extra to kind of come in this morning. Um, and if you got healed in that prayer that Alice is praying right now, then do tell somebody, like test it out. If you, if you had an injury or something that you couldn't do before, if you had pain, if there's some way to test it, then, um, then do test it and then check it out and go and tell someone that God's healed you. Cause that's really encouraging. All right. Cool. All right. So we're, we're in part two of three. Chris said I'm here for the second half, but I think it would be the second third, strictly speaking. <laughs> um, so part two of three that we're doing, just uh, opening up some things that I feel like God is wanting to foreground for us in uh, who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit is doing for us and in us. And um, I've got some slides here that will hopefully work. There we go. Just a quick recap from last week. For anyone who wasn't here, do please get the recording. There's a recording, right? Do please get the recording. Alice's is a recording. Here's just a a recap of what I thought with kind of four of the key points from last week. So first thing, we, we, we looked at how in the beginning when God makes Adam, Adam becomes a living being because God puts his spirit in him. That's that's really key. So uh, he doesn't come alive until the spirit comes in him, and then when the spirit comes in, then he becomes a living being, not just not just a body. So it's the the presence of the spirit of God within Adam that makes him alive in the first place. And then we kind of had a real quick overview of how the the whole goal of the in the Old Testament, the goal of Judaism is to try and get the Holy Spirit. How do we get the Holy Spirit? How do we get the indwelling Spirit? How do we get the life of the Spirit? All of that's there and uh then we actually saw um the bottom one there jesus said whoever believes in me as the scriptures said rivers of living water will flow from within them that he's talking uh, he's talking to the the jews about having the uh, receiving the holy spirit receiving the flow of the holy spirit and so we we looked at how everything finds its fulfillment in the coming and the release of the holy spirit um, and how the whole story of the the Bible is pointing towards us receiving the Holy Spirit. And then the third one I put there was about the word prophet, but I'll come back to that a little bit later on. Um, Abraham. Abraham means exalted father. No, father of many. Abraham means exalted father, doesn't it? Is that right? I'll just check with Alice. <laughs> um, it's Father's Day. You know, I thought that this morning uh, it, it occurred to me it was just wonderful to hear you know the kids just celebrating their their dads and. And what they mean to them in their lives, and it occurred to me that it 's quite possible that in a room this size that, that kind of may not such a positive experience may not have been what you grew up with or, or what you experienced, and you know, maybe maybe you didn 't have a dad, or maybe you had one and he wasn 't there or he was there as much as he could be, but maybe not in the way you needed him to be, or maybe you had a dad who wasn 't really much of a dad at all, and I think that um, it caused me to reflect on my own experience actually because i'd uh, i'd say growing up when i was a when i was a young child i had a good relationship with my dad but then actually as time went on it became a very a very dysfunctional a very difficult um relationship with him and a uh, very broken relationship and throughout a whole bunch of it had a whole bunch of knock-on effects you know in the kind of wider family and things like that and it just reminded me of how uh how the the, the kindness and the compassion of god is able to bring healing and restoration in the most dysfunctional and the most broken of uh, of relationships, and uh, I'm very grateful to Holy Spirit that th- that relationship is uh, has been healed and is being healed, really through God's intervention and not through any any clever means of sorting anything out on my side, but uh, but God's really brought an awful lot of healing in, into that. Uh, that relationship for me, and so I just wanted to encourage you because you, you may you may be here and be very conscious of brokenness in relationships or difficult relationships or things not being the way that you want them to be, and I, I want to encourage you that all things are possible with God. He's able to heal anything. He's able to resolve anything, and I just want to encourage you that it's uh, it's possible, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. You may feel like oh I'm dis-, you may feel like I'm disqualified because I had a bad start. And you know, actually, the, the love of God is more towards you if you had a bad start. Like the heart of God is towards anywhere where there's brokenness, where there's where there's lack, where there's poverty, where there's dysfunction. Um, actually, that that just causes the grace of God to increase in that situation for you. So there's there's always more grace available than the brokenness that uh, that, that is our experience. And things can change in an instant. And I don't know if they'll change in an instant or if they'll change kind of over time, but they can change in an instant. And it doesn't matter what the last 20 years have looked like, then, you know, you, know, you don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And the thing, one of the things that struck me from yesterday is I was reminded of the the power of a single encounter to transform everything. Not just for the person, but then... For all the relationships and all the connections that that person has in their life, and it reminded me. Um, you know, Grace and I took a, a, a team out to Turkey a couple of months ago. A team from Release Academy, and we were um, we were ministering in a couple of churches there, and we went out on, on the street and we did some stuff um, in Izmir city, you know, out in the uh, in the in the open, just connecting with people and sharing the love of God, praying for them, hearing the voice of God for them. And there was a lady there who shared this amazing story, and it really encouraged me. And we'd previously been there a year before in the summer, and we did like a church camp for one of the churches out there. And this lady had been there at the camp, and she came up and said, oh, you know, when when you guys came last summer... Uh, you, you prayed for me and you, you gave me a prophetic word, you know, a word of encouragement. And to be honest, I've, I kind of vaguely remember, we, we prayed for so many people, hundreds, you know, I don't, I don't remember everybody, but I vaguely remembered this lady. And she said, you just gave me this word of encouragement and said, um, said you, you, that I've got like the Holy Spirit in my life, it's kind of like I've got this big bowl full of the Spirit and he just splashes out everywhere and I shouldn't worry about about splashing out because there'll always be more or something like that anyway just a simple word of encouragement you know it wasn't a it wasn't like a complicated it wasn't like i told her her telephone number and her date of birth and you know those kind of things it wasn't like that it was just a real simple word of encouragement that we probably all have had some experience of one way or another or if you haven't you can have an experience of it today for the first time um, but she took that and then what happened was her, her grandmother was in hospital Sick in hospital, and she had to leave the, the church camp and she went to the hospital to see her grandmother and In the neighboring bed was a, uh, a young mum, and she was kurdish and If you know much about the kind of re- relationship between the Turks and the Kurds you know it 's a little bit tense and not, not always been a good relationship and She was in there, and she felt such a compassion f- from God for this young mum who was who was sick in the bed next to her grandmother, and her grandmother was saying to her. Oh, don't pay any attention to her. She's just a Kurd, you know. Don't speak to her. You know, you don't don't need to worry about her. You know, um, don't consider her. And she was like, "No, mum, but but actually, Jesus loves everybody, and it doesn't matter if they're a Kurd or a Turk or anything else or whatever the history is. Um, I really feel like I need to need to pray for her." So she went to speak to this um, this mum, and it turns out that uh, th- this lady was uh, dying of terminal stomach cancer, and the doctors had said, "There's absolutely nothing more we can do for you. You're, you're just..." That that's it. You know, you're going to end your life in this hospital bed. So they'd they'd arrived at the most hopeless of situations, the most hopeless of diagnoses. It couldn't be more hopeless. When they say, look, literally everything that has been done for you can be done. You're going to die. And she's a young mum. She's got kids. You know, it's it's devastating. And this uh, this lady said because she'd had that word of encouragement, she thought I'm going to I'm going to be bold to speak to this this you know young mum, and I'm going to offer to pray for her. So she does. She um, she prays for her uh, to be healed, and she gives her her details, and the the mum gives her this lady her details. But she said unfortunately she lost the details, so she wasn't able to contact them to find out what happened. And then a few days before we were we made our second trip out in um, you know a couple of months ago, she said that she had been contacted by this family who had kept her details, and they said well we've moved to another city now, but after you prayed for you know the mum. Uh, She was miraculously and supernaturally cured of the terminal cancer, completely cured. And as a result, the whole family became believers in Jesus. They moved to another, um, they'd moved to another city, and they just, they found her details and said, We just wanted to tell you, you know, we started going along to church to find out more about this Jesus we've come to believe in. And, um, And she was really excited because because God had done this. And she'd never done anything like that before. It's just one word of encouragement meant that she she then meant, it meant that when she was in the hospital, she saw somebody who others would have rejected, who others would have looked down on and said, no, don't pay any attention to them. They're not worth your time. But she was able to see them where she hadn't been able to see them before. And she had a compassion for them. And she just simply went and offered what was in her hand, which was, I'll I'll just pray for you. And God turned up. In this incredible way, that saved the life of a woman, saved a mother for the kids. I mean, you know, who knows what happens to kids in an environment like that? If you if you're kind of like an an underclass, because the Kurds are like an underclass in Turkey. If you grow up without a parent, that's even worse for you. You know, it's bad enough. Um, if, if you've kind of got privilege, but this is a very underprivileged kind of group. Who knows what the long-term ramifications would be for those kids or for that husband. It wasn't just one, uh, somebody who got healed. That's incredible enough. But it's the, it's the children who got a mother back and the husband that got a wife back and or the community that got a testimony back and and all the potential for those the, the, the future life and the things that can happen that were all locked up in that moment. And it just came from, it, it was just like, a, a little word of encouragement. It's like that little stone in a pond that sends out these ripples. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful because I, I can't take any credit for a miracle that happened. It wasn't, it wasn't my miracle. Like, all I did was I gave a simple word of encouragement and I had no idea what this lady was going to do with it, but she took that, what God had done in her, and then she ran with it and she ran way further than the, than the word. Um, so I, I want to encourage all of us today, like, it, you, you never know what's going to tip the balance for something. The, the, the tiniest thing, you, we talk about the straw that breaks the camel's back, which is kind of a negative image, but it works in a positive light as well. You never know when it's going to be the, the straw that breaks the evil camel's back, right? You don't know. Uh, I'm sorry for all you camel lovers in here. You, know? Um, you, you never know when it's that, that little thing. It, it might just be that one moment, you, and you never know when that's going to be. And the book of Ecclesiastes says you can't regard the bones in the womb. And what that means is When when you're you're pregnant, you don't know what's happening. Like, unless you have a scan. Obviously, in this day and age, you can have a scan. Back then, you couldn't have a scan. You didn't know what's happening. It's like, but something's taking place in the invisible. And then, at a certain point, the visible becomes visible. But you never know when that's going to be. And then, when that happens, everything's changed forever. And for us, we often go through life, we can get so settled and infected by the mundane that we just think the way things are is the way that they're going to continue. Which is true and, until it's not true anymore. And suddenly something happens. And it, it can just, just turn on the, the slightest pivot. And the whole world turns on that pivot. And then transformation happens. Breakthrough happens. Everything looks different than it was, was before. And you just never know. Could be right now. Could be in the next five seconds. Could be in the next five minutes. Could be this afternoon. You never know when those, those moments are going to happen. But actually, uh, Jesus is hovering over those moments, ready to interact with us, ready to tip things over into that, that next stage. So I just want to encourage, encourage us to be expectant. So that was my kind of extra, my little added extra for today. Um, Abraham's blessing. All right. So what we're doing here with this series is kind of wanting to bring to the fore what the life of the spirit really looks like and how that arises from what Christ has done on the cross and what the implications are for us, and how we can move and flow in it, and actually to open up and upgrade our vision, upgrade our perspective in what is available to us, what heaven has made available to us, that we can walk in and enjoy right now. We don't have to wait for it, we can actually enjoy it right now, and walk more and more into it. So, uh, but I wanted to show you this, because I, I, know, I know you're a church that loves the Bible, um, so I want to make sure that we, we kind of anchor this, really, in the scripture. So, Hopefully, we we maybe know something about the story of Abraham, right? God chooses Abraham and he blesses him. Okay? This is not too deep theology. (laughs) yet. He chooses Abraham and and he blesses him. In Galatians, the Apostle Paul says this about the blessing of Abraham. He says, uh, he, that's God, redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So here... Paul equates the blessing given to Abraham with the promise of the Spirit. They're the same. The promise given to Abraham is the promise of the Spirit. So Abraham's blessing is the Holy Spirit. Remember last week I said the whole trajectory of the Old Testament points towards how do we how do we get the Holy Spirit effectively? <laughs> how do we have the Holy Spirit? How do we have the life of the Holy Spirit? Uh, that's the, ho- the whole direction. So here this is what it looks like for for Abraham. Paul says... That the blessing given to Abraham was uh, the, the blessing of the Holy Spirit. And next week, I'm going to unpack this a little bit more um, from this passage in Galatians. Um, but I wanted to kind of foreground this. Abraham's blessing is the Holy Spirit. So the, and then we know from Abraham, God uh, has the, the children of Abraham, the children of uh, Isaac, the, the, the Israelites. So the tribes of Israel um especially uh the jews you've got the, the the old testament is the story of god's interaction with um uh, with the israelite uh, people and their kind of interactions with the holy spirit i guess we can say um so in that story we know god chooses moses right so if you haven't heard of Moses, Moses is, uh, is kind of, he's raised up as like a leader, as a redeemer, um, kind of a, a savior, of t- a type of a savior for Israel. So uh, the story is that the, the Israelites, they get imprisoned in Egypt as slaves, and then God raises up Moses to come and rescue them. And then you can kind of go watch the old Charlton Heston film, um, which is called what now? What's the Charlton Heston film? You don't even remember. Not Ben-Hur, the other one. He's Moses, right? <laughs> Ten Commandments, right? It's called Ten Commandments. <laughs> Charlton Heston <laughs> oh dear apparently he's like the spokesman for the NRA you know in, a, in America Charlton Heston he's, like, he's, he's totally like kind of gunman but anyway he's, he plays a good Moses um so, God, God chooses Moses to deliver uh, Israelites um, out of Egypt. So, Moses is called a prophet. He's kind of like the senior prophet in, uh, in Judaism. He's like the key guy. He gives the Ten Commandments. He's kind of the, the, the author of the law. Um, he's like the, ma- the main guy. And there's a point in Moses' life where he's pretty irritated and he's worn out and he's frustrated and he's, cut, he's got millions of people who he's effectively responsible for. And the way in which he's responsible for them is actually by the Holy Spirit living in him. This is what the Bible shows us. It's not Moses' own power, his own wisdom, or his own ability that enables him to be effective in leading and administrating Israel. It's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit working in him that enables him to do it. But at a certain point, Moses is like, it's too much for me. And God says, yeah, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to spread the load. So he says, I want you to choose 70 men. I've kind of abridged this a little bit for the sake of brevity. So it's choose 70 men, 70 elders in Israel, and then I will come down and I will speak with you there. That's at the tent of meeting. And I will take of the spirit who is upon you and I will put him upon them. So there's this interesting story where Moses has kind of got got the spirit on him, working with him. And God's saying, "I'm I'm gonna apportion some of my spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to take some of him, and I'm going to put him on 70 elders. This is kind of really interesting image, isn't it? And I don't know if you can imagine what that might look like from God's perspective or something. It's certainly kind of weird. But anyway, this is the story. And then what happens is uh, Moses calls the 70 elders, but only 68 turn up. So 70 are chosen, but only 68 turn up, right? So two are chosen, but they don't turn up. They're, and this is really, really insulting. This is like gross rebellion. This is them sticking up two fingers to Moses and saying, "No way, we're not going to come. We're going to sit in our tents, you know, and have, have our own." Uh, party I and mean, forget you, um, so it's really, really insulting. You know, it's like if you got um, uh, no. Well, well, let's let's not go to uh, let's take, not take too many kind of political analogies about um, You know how you, how you might in, in, insult a leader by not going to uh, an invited banquet or something like that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's kind of like this. Uh, this idea is that you you you've got uh, you've got the main guy who invites you and says you're going to get the Holy Spirit from me. And you don't turn up. I mean, that's like, it's not just grossly offensive to Moses. It's grossly offensive to God. I mean, it's, it's total rebellion here. It's not even just like a little misdemeanor. This is them being really bad guys. So they stay in the tent. Anyway, what happens? It says he, that again, that's God took of the spirit who was upon him, Moses, and placed him upon the 70 elders. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied, but two men remained in the camp and the spirit rested upon them. Now they were among those who had been registered but had not gone out to the tent. And they prophesied in the camp. So here you've got two people who are in gross rebellion, gross disobedience, who don't come when they're called, even though they're elected, they don't come, and the Holy Spirit lands on them anyway. But this is, And this is even more offensive. This is so offensive because now it's not only that they've insulted Moses and they've insulted God, but they've also got the, the Holy Spirit the same as the people who didn't insult Moses and didn't insult God. And then Joshua, this is like Moses's protege, he thinks he's being a good boy, and he turns up and he says, Moses, my lord, restrain them, you know. <laughs> And uh, Moses, uh, Joshua, um, he probably was a little bit more hardcore than just restrain them. I think by restrain them, he probably meant like cut off their head or do something really, you know, um, really kind of uh, hardcore. But this is Moses' reply to Joshua. And I think this is this is so interesting. And this I've called, it's the, the forgotten prayer of Moses. So it's, a, it's kind of the, the heart's cry of Moses. It just comes out of him spontaneously. But it comes out like a prayer. And he says this, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. Is this, is the, this is the heart of Moses. And actually, Moses is a prophet, and everything he says is prophetic, right? So when he says this, he's actually prophesying. He's speaking into a time in the future when this would be true. So, back to the book of Acts, which we looked at last week, the Holy Spirit coming at the day of Pentecost. Uh, after the Holy Spirit's come on the day of Pentecost, the disciples all spill out into the street, and then Mo- uh, not Moses, Peter gets up, and he preaches, And he he quotes the prophet Joel. And this is what he preaches. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike. And they will prophesy. You see here, this is the fulfillment of the prayer of Moses moses 's desire is that the, the, the resting and the abiding the abiding, the empowering, and the life of the Spirit would not be for the reserved few but would be for everybody because in the, in the Old Testament, you had this picture of here 's Moses and he 's got the spirit, and everybody else has to come to Moses because they need the spirit. This is the image it 's a simple image. And Moses is like, it's too much for me, so let's get 70 others, and it'll be apportioned out to them, and then they can help to get the Spirit to the others. But even so, there were still those who apparently didn't have the Spirit, or certainly that's, we're not shown them having the Spirit. Those who had the Spirit were called prophets, and we talked a bit about what it meant to be a prophet last week, and again, in the, in the last slide, I'm going to go back into that to anchor it and land it for what does this mean for us today. But the key thing here is when Peter gets up, he says, what you you are seeing is the promised Holy Spirit. This is the promise given to Abraham. This was the promise that was hidden in the story of Genesis when it talks about Adam becoming alive because the Spirit's in him. This is the the promise that is the prayer of Moses. It's the promise that was prophesied by Joel. And this is what it looks like. This is the the experience that they were in in the day of Pentecost. The outpouring, the overflowing exuberant joy. The people who saw them thought they were drunk. Peter had to explain to them that we're not drunk. We haven't been drinking heavy liquor. He had to actually explain it because that's what it looked like to them. They were so ecstatic. They were so overflowing. And one of the definitions we looked at for prophecy is this: is the ferment is fermentation. The word prophecy literally means fermentation, or the bubbling, or the boiling over. The reason why fermentation is because if you if you've ever done any homebrew, and you've kind of fermented, you, you know it gets it starts bubbling around, right? My dad used to like making uh, ginger beer, and he, you know, the longer you leave it, the more alcoholic it gets, So right? it, it ferments more and more. And actually, if you, leave, if you leave it in the bottle, it will burst the bottle, you know, because as it's producing the gas, you know, it'll, it'll ferment out like that. Th- this is a picture of prophecy, the bursting bottle that has become, the, the life of God has become so fermented, so transformed anew. Remember, Jesus, he turns water into wine, what does that mean? That's about the life of the spirit. This is the this is the prophetic life. This is the the um, water that miraculously turns into a fermented drink, and it bursts it bursts the seams. This is the the overflow, the river that bursts its banks. This is the, this is the Christian life. This is the life of the spirit. It's not it's not that we kind of sit in an in an enclave on a Sunday morning or in a in a kind of in, in a in our kind of little huddle, Christian compound you know nothing wrong actually with with having that but it's supposed to burst its banks the river is supposed to burst its banks it's supposed to overflow it's supposed to transfer and it's supposed to multiply it's like one word of encouragement is supposed to become a healing miracle which is supposed to become a thousand healing miracles or whatever it's it's supposed to multiply as we give away the life of god it multiplies and it increases and it transfers and it, it moves from person to person and and this is how the bible says the earth will become full of the knowledge of the glory of god So the earth is already full of the glory of God, but it's going to become full of the knowledge of the glory of God. Knowledge meaning the intimate acquaintance with the the glory of God, the experiential knowledge of the glory of God. Last week we looked at the spirit of truth will lead you into all truth. We should better translate that as the spirit of reality will lead you into all reality. It's the reality of the life of God. It's not an intellectual idea. It's not just an ascent. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I I believe that God lives in me, or or those things. It's wonderful that you do, but the Holy Spirit is here not to educate your mind. The Holy Spirit is here to burst your banks. He's he's here to bust out, which is why I like to pray. You know, we, we, we love the prayer, come, Holy Spirit. Great prayer. But I like to pray, come out, Holy Spirit. Come out, because I know like what the problem is i i try i sometimes hide him you know <laughs> i sometimes hide him do you sometimes hide him and we hide him for all kinds of reasons sometimes we hide him because we we're not confident that we really have him sometimes that's what hides we're not confident that we've really got the divine spirit the god who created the entire universe with a single word and sustains it by that word who is jesus christ is living dwelling abiding in us permanently We sometimes forget that. I mean, the Bible says, in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, dwells in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in him. Like, that's pretty nuts. Do you actually believe the Bible? I don't think you do. I don't think there's a person in this room who believes the Bible. I'm going to include myself in that. None of us believe the Bible. I don't believe it. If you you really believe that, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in him, you do not believe it. You don't. You're an unbeliever. It's just like the, it's just like the Bible says you don't know how to pray. Did you know that? As soon as you think you know how to pray, you're wrong. The Bible says in Romans 8, we do not know how to pray. Full stop. (laughs) You don't know how. So as soon as you think you know how, you've already shown that you don't. (laughs) It's a beautiful inversion because this is how much it doesn't depend on us. What does it say in Romans 8? You don't even know how to pray, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one. With even groans that are unutterable, he's the one who makes intercession. He's the one who makes prayer. You see, the whole whole Bible is trying to hand you a death certificate. It's trying to get you to recognize that you are not the key factor in this equation. (laughs) That what God has done is he has taken you out of the way and replaced you with Jesus. That's the Christian gospel. He's taken you out of the way and replaced you with Jesus. When you're seeing the face of Christ, you're seeing a mirror, then that mirror reflects back who you really are. It's what Paul said. He said, we behold the face of the Lord as in a mirror. It's a weird statement. Why would you say you behold the face of the Lord as in a mirror? When you look in a mirror, you see yourself. When you see the face of Christ, that's when you see who you really are. The apostle Peter found this out. Jesus said to the the disciples, who do men say that I am and who do you say that I am? And they had all these ideas. And then Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He was called Simon at that point in time. And Jesus said to him, "Uh, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. And I tell you, you are Peter. And the word Peter means rock. And he says, and on this rock I'll build my church. So the moment that Peter caught by revelation the true identity of Christ... Immediately what was reflected back to him from christ was peter's true identity His true identity and his calling were there immediately in the moment We spend so much time so much effort trying to find out our purpose trying to find out our identity Trying to improve in this area trying to improve in that area. great brilliant do it But if you want to know who you are, you have to look in the mirror. What is the mirror? Who is the mirror? The mirror is the face of christ All throughout the Old Testament, there's this whole thing about people can't see the face of God. If you see the face of God, then you're going to spontaneously combust until the day that Jesus comes up and you see the face of God and then you find you don't spontaneously combust. Jesus is not a lesser God than the Father, but by turning up and and eyeball to eyeball, when he eyeballs Peter like that, he's completely undermining this idea that we, we can't look at God, we can't come to him because we'll just blow up if we come near him. Jesus blows that completely apart because he turns up as the face of God. Jesus isn't less than the face of God. He's not like subordinate somehow. He is the face of God. When you see the face of Christ, you're seeing the face of the Father. You see God face to face. You're supposed to see God face to face, and you do. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, we we do behold the face of the Lord as in a mirror. And you have seen the face of Christ. And all we need, really need to do is actually just gaze into him more. As the, the, more the more you look into him, the more that, that transfiguration happens. The more we are reconstituted into his image and into who we truly are. That's the Christian way. The more we see him, the more we become like him. That's why Jesus said to Mary and Martha, only one thing is needed. That's what Mary's doing. What was Mary doing? She was sitting at the feet of Jesus just looking at his face. Jesus said that's the only thing that is needed. So we like to multiply all the things that we need to do. We need to do this, we need to do that, we need to accomplish this, we need to accomplish that. Again, I'm not undermining all good things to do, probably. (laughs) But Jesus actually says there's only one thing that is needed, which is what Mary is doing. And she has parked herself on the floor, pretty passive, to be honest. She's sitting on the floor. There's all this work that needs to be done. She's not doing any of it. She parks herself on the floor and she's just transfixed transfixed eyeball to eyeball with Jesus because she's seeing the face of God and that's how she's transfigured that's how she's transformed that's how she grows into who she's truly been made uh, made to be that's how the life of the spirit in her just it, it, it catalyzes and bursts bursts out into all of, all four directions it's just in in seeing him this is the, this is the Christian life Actually, let me just point one more thing out from here, and I'm going to, again, pick this up next week. I, I want, really, to be even more controversial this morning uh, because I want you to notice that God, said, God doesn't say, I will pour out my spirit on believers. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Actually, it even says there that in, in the Greek it's all flesh, which is even more, uh, even more controversial because flesh is like a negative, often used as a negative word for people you know, oh, it's all fleshly. Actually, Jordan was joking, he was just feeding the flesh, right? <laughs> it's usually used as a negative word, because there are other words you could use to talk about, like, the physical body. So flesh is kind of a pejorative word, you know, it's a negative word, vulgar word, maybe. And when God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, it's like, oh, well, hang on, God can't do that, because that's, unho- that's unholy. That would be offensive to God to do that. God says, no, I'm going to pour out my Spirit on all flesh, on all people, and Peter says that is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on all people, and then he clarifies further, and he says, in those days I'll pour out my Spirit even on my servants, who we might say are the believers, right? So so the the coming of the Holy Spirit is first poured out on everybody, everything, and then he says, "Even," which is like saying, "especially." It's like an especially moment, especially on those who actually believe it and who who are going to work with it and run with it. And this is back to this image of the elders. He had seventy elders, and they were all they were all elect. They were all chosen to receive the Holy Spirit. And in this case, 68 of them, they came to serve and they, they were like the even, but there were two in that story who weren't, but they still had the spirit poured out on them and they still prophesied. They still had, and actually the, the pro- prophecy means the bubbling up from the inside of the spirit and the, and the, the, the word and the message of God. So, I'm, I mean, I'm going to leave you to chew on that for a week and ask the question, what does that mean for those who were not who, who were disobedient in that? Um, what does that mean for them positionally with, with God and, and who God is and what he's doing in their lives? We're going to pick that up again next week, as I said, when we look at the next part of uh, the next part of this story. But let me land it here, and then we'll um, we'll finish up. Uh, so when we when we talk about the word prophet in the New Testament, there is there is like a, a, a ministry of prophet, like prophetic gifts and what have you, um, which is fine. Not not teaching about that, but according to Moses, I would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and he would put his spirit on them. I want to suggest to you that actually. Uh, the word prophet really means someone who has the, the life of the Holy Spirit working and operating in them. And thus, it is more of a biblical word for Christian than Christian. Because Christian is used, I think, twice or maybe three times in the New Testament, and each time it's used as an insult. Uh, it was people trying to they oh, they're, they're, they're just little Christs, they're just Christians. But actually, all the way through the story of the, of the Bible, it's looking at what does it mean to be a prophet, one who's in the life of the Spirit. Actually, that's the, that is a description of the Christian life. You are a prophet. You're a prophet for the, the life of God that was, is within you to boil up out and over and spell out onto others so that they also can be woken up to the reality of who Christ is and what God has done for them and what he wants to continue to do for them. So, let's pray and we'll take the last 10 minutes if the band want to come back up and grace you're going to come and you're going to come come, come and tag um i'll tag you can pray right, and the band can come.
1: okay i'm gonna do this quick some of you are parents you need to pick up your kids we've got busy lives but i don't want to take a moment and miss what god is doing and he will be doing a thousand things in one moment because he's inside of all of us and he's ministering and he's thinking about your family he's thinking about your friends he's thinking about where you work he's thinking about your history he's already got your future in mind he's not worried says in psalm 2 he sits on the throne and laughs that's so offensive when you think about the things that hurt us but that laughter comes from a deep place of joy that says i'm not worried you didn't you may have felt like you stuffed up i'm not worried got a hard week coming this week i'm not worried that's his position. And as we meet together on our groupings, in our fours, in our twos, we are, and as we behold the face of Christ, that mindset is becoming our mindset. His default is becoming our default. Sometimes it happens in jumps. Sometimes it happens slowly. But I really think there's a moment this morning in the busy lives that we do have to take just some time to ask God as prophets, I'm going to talk to you as prophets, that he's bubbling up and doing something this morning. And we're just going to give him some time to speak to our spirit, speak to our body, speak to our soul, however you want to see it. He is 100% with you, through you, and no more on you than he is on Paul, no more than on Paul, than he is on your neighbor sitting next to you. We've got special gifts, but that's to serve, and he loves us. So God, my prayer is going to be, you can stand, you can lie down, you can close your eyes, whatever it is, but we're just going to focus and take some moment. God, what is it, that you are bubbling up in me. God, would you show my body, show my spirit, show my soul? What is it that there is a womb inside of each one of us and there is a baby growing? And some of us don't know what it is yet, but we can tell something is going on. And hopelessness has been preaching to some of us. And this morning, I break the power of hopelessness over our lives that false counsel will you shut up in Jesus' name. And I call forth the life and the word and the hope of Christ that we'll never give up, will never stop, will never believe anything other than what he came to do and has done and will do in our lives. And I speak that bubbling up. Spirit, speak. 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 You love us so dearly. If this isn't something you're used to doing, then just wait. Just wait. Sometimes it's a, a memory that comes up. Sometimes it's just a picture. And sometimes it's just a small feeling of hope. But whatever he is doing, whatever feels good to you, focus on it and let it increase and grow. Just grow in this moment. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, speak. Increase. Increase what you're doing, God. Increase the bubbles. Increase the hope. And the giftings and callings of God. I speak life in Jesus' name unto every single one of you. There's no person in this room that this prayer isn't affecting, and there's no person in this room that this message wasn't relevant for. And I bless, I bless you. I bless your life. I bless your history. I bless your future. I bless your dreams. I bless the pain in your life. I bless the place where you're suffering and and you are becoming more like the face of Christ as you hold on and you carry on. I bless the breakthroughs. I bless the high points you had and you're still wishing you'd have them again. And I bless that you've never seen the height of God until you go home with him. There's always more. There's always increase. If you didn't know God before walking into this room, then I bless you with the greatest friend you've ever had. I bless you. And we bless you with this message of hope. And as you walk out of this room, nothing gets left behind. The whole thing goes with you. The whole thing goes into your home. The whole thing goes into your workplace. Even the people who don't even know God, he's got a plan for them. And he's like, I call him Jehovah Sneaky. He goes with you into your work. He fills the whole place, even though you may not have felt like it. He's already been there before you rocked up the first day in your job. He was already there because he's with his people. And he loves people and he loves you I speak the love of Christ over you the possessive passionate all encompassing love of God over you that surrounds and pulls in every part of your life all the fractured bits all the bits that you love all the bits that you think oh I do not know what's going to happen there he pulls them in and puts his wing over them like a mother hen he is over you and I bless you So whatever you got, even if it was just a mustard seed, there's a story in the Bible about a mustard seed, and he uses a mustard seed because it's such the tiniest thing you could think of. Whatever it was, if you put hope and faith into that tiny thing, and you focus and you meditate on this, out of this room, write it down, include it in your prayers this week, he will do something with it, because that's just what he does. And if today you got a huge bucket load of, I now know what I'm supposed to do on Monday... I get it now. I've got the spreadsheet I'm supposed to look at. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. Go do that thing. Just be faithful with what you have. And you will start to see increasingly the life that you wish you were living in someone else's life. You realize, if I really saw who I was, I'd never want to be anyone else. Because you start to see your life as the prophetic story that he is speaking to the rest of the world. But not just so that you can get everyone as a ticket to heaven, but because he wants his children to reflect the joy and the passion and the love through which he has with the Jesus Father and Holy Spirit our life is coming to more and more reflect the love that's going on in that dynamic and he's not waiting till you get home to heaven to impart into that into you he's wanting to do it now and today and that's how crazy we are as believers that we're not waiting for a ticket to heaven we're believing that the whole shebang is being brought into right now and it's through your life so I just want to speak that again through your life not through the person next to you, through your life. You're not worried about the person next to you, not concerned about what anyone else has got, your life, your life, your life. It has so much value. He died on the cross for you. that has so much value on you. So I bless us today, and I speak that to myself, Lord, bless us today that we might start to increasingly walk in the value through which we have in our life and how much you are moving on our life how much you died and resurrected that we might have a hope and a future. Thank you, God. And I just want to encourage you, as we bring this to a close, we will play some music because it, I personally find that worship and even just sounds of music, it's not always worship music I listen to, I just hear God on it. Something that There's something that he does in music. So we want to give a value for that. But if you need to go, you can go. But I do want to encourage you that as... Alice was saying earlier, we are a priesthood of believers. And there are people around your table that need to hear what you just got. They need to hear, because some of us are wondering, did did what I just got, is that really okay? And they'll hear you say your testimony, and we'll realize, oh, it is okay. God starts with small. Sometimes he does massive, but sometimes he just takes the tiniest, littlest thing, and he promotes that and shoves it right to the fore. And if you don't value that little thing it's not going to do that because it's like you just you just let it lie on the ground. So I want you to encourage to share if you have time amongst your table what did he just show you? Did he remind you of something? Did he convict you of something you've forgotten about? Did he give you a hope? Did he remind you of some testimony you've heard? Whatever it was, just share it amongst you. And if you feel to just pray, pray it. Pray God would land on that this week. And would do something that we just couldn't expect him to do. Because that has to start to become our norm. Where we start to live in a place where we actually pray courageous prayers. To go, it doesn't matter how many times I pray this. I'm always going to start from, God, do something that I couldn't do unless it was you. Like You have to be in my life bigger than I could just make you up. Because that's not the kind of life that we want to live. Is one where it's the size of our brain. So if you feel to, and if you have the time to, can you share with each other... What was it that God just showed you is bubbling up? And if you've struggled to hear anything, can you pray for that person to hear something? Maybe you're the conduit this morning. Whatever it is, value the small, value the big, and he will do something with all of it. Is that okay? Is that all right? And I know that some of you, if you're needing prayer for anything else, there's a heck of a lot of us in this room that just love to pray. I'm one of them. And so just come and find someone who just loves to pray, and we just pray the heck out of you. And we'll keep doing it until God sees something move in your life. Amen. Thanks, guys.